Hello and welcome to a really special episode of For Your Reconsideration, the film podcast which casts a mad light onto movies we feel deserve full wattage. I'm Rob, and here are Simon and James. How are you, boys? I'm good, thank you, Rob. Good, Hello. Mate. Yeah, good. How are you, man? Extremely well, thank you. Well, I'm even better tonight, if I'm honest. Uh, we are doing things a little bit differently tonight. It's a very special episode, because tonight's my pick, and usually that makes it special all by itself. Am I right, you know? <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> well, well, yeah. Less of the less of the nasal laughter, sadly. <laughs> uh, and for my pick, I'm picking a movie that I found ostensibly because I was um, cruising along on Amazon Prime and I loved the poster. I loved the breakdown and the summary of the movie was so far up my street, it was untrue. And against all hope and predictability, we are actually joined incredibly by the, the director of this film tonight, Mr. Carl Strathy. Carl, how are you? Hello, I'm good. How are you? <laughs> Jolly well. I mean, this is ridiculous. How have you blacked this, Rob? How have you blacked this, Rob? I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, to the point that I'm, I'm even going to really try to behave myself. <laughs> but it's great to have you here tonight, Carl. The film in question, obviously, is um, Dark Encounter. Yep. Um, if you'll permit me. This is the first chance we've ever actually had to do any fawning on this podcast. But on the first viewing of this, it blew me to bits. Um, there are two things I love in life, Carl, which are Jean-Claude Van Damme and Alien movies. <laughs> so <laughs> um, this blew me to pieces watching this. Um, really? Yeah, absolutely to bits because, well, for so many reasons. But I, I, I love Alien movies, as I've said. The creepy Spielbergian kind, along with the whole mythology and and, and vision of that I mean, it's a, it, it's a sort of a whole corner of cinema, isn't it? Yeah. And with Dark Encounter, the images, the motifs, the care you delivered, the delivery, all the stuff is absolutely I adore in cinema. But then you flipped the entire script on me and sent me to uncharted territory as far as my own expectations were concerned. And this elevated it above. I mean, like I, a few weeks ago on here, Carl, we had the movie Abominable on. That's about, no uh, <laughs> about a Yeti. And um, I'm not sure the guys uh, were too on board with it, but they enjoyed it <laughs> for what it was. But this is just like above and beyond what I would yeah. ever expect from this genre. That's so, great. mate, it's a massive pleasure. That's good. Thank you, mate. Thank you. That's, that's all right. I'm glad because uh, when I was asked to go on the interview, I wasn't really told if you guys liked it or not. So imagine if it was the other way around. For absolute crock of shit. No, it's good. Thank you. No, really no, kind. I mean, Thank you. Obviously, we've got so many, so many questions to ask. But first off, we'll start personal, Carl. How are you and how's lockdown been? It's a weird time for us all, isn't it, mate? It's weird. I get that um, lockdown dimension now where it's kind of like, oh, yeah, we're, in, we're still in it, are we? I think we are. It's weird. Yeah. But, um, yeah. We're not getting the best <laughs> advice from on high at this point. No. But yes. <laughs> but Charlotte and I, the producer of the film, we work from home. So, uh, and we sort of, we were in, before lockdown happened, we were in pre-production of the next film. So we were kind of working at home and then lockdown happened. And then we were like, nothing's changed. It's the same. So for us, it was just, it's just been, ah, nothing's different. <laughs> and then we thought, wow, we're really isolated. <laughs> Um, cause it's all the same, you know, keep away from everyone anyway. Um, but, <laughs> but, uh, no, it's quite weird. Um, it's been, I don't know. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird. I've I found 80% of my time in lockdown is doing the washing up. That's just <laughs> my loop of doing washing up. Constantly yeah. cleaning plates and cups. Because it's highlight, isn't it? <laughs> this is all I'm doing. 
No, well, um, so uh, that suggests that you're actually in pre-production on something else at the moment, Carl. Is that right? Yeah. So um, we were in pre-production of one film, and since then, obviously, we're like, you know, we we get back and make it as soon as we're out of lockdown. But the film's quite. We're ready to make it now. We can just go in. But in order to do that, you know, you've got all these ramifications on set that you've got to really think about and keeping everyone safe. So we're looking at the script, thinking, I don't know how we're going to do nearly all of this because of social distancing and stuff. So it's all possible, just won't be able to do it till next year. Yeah, of course. Um, but we're talking about doing something sooner. Uh, so I'm sort of custom fitting a script that is COVID friendly. And all the characters literally wear masks. Oh, wow. Like everyone, wow. you can't breathe the air. So they're not touching, they're not allowed, but it's not the virus. A lot of people think, oh, it's set. It's like, no, it's a, it's a completely different sort of film. Oh, that's amazing. So it's, it's like, um, totally different from a pandemic, but you could, you can sort of almost, what's the, what's the opposite of retro? It's yeah, I know not retrofit, but like present fit it to something that you could make work. Yeah. Uh, saying that I, I've written it, but it hasn't been approved. So they could, studio could read it and go. That's terrible. What the hell were you thinking? That's <laughs> <laughs> like, what? <laughs> um, well, uh, Carl, how did you become a filmmaker, mate? I mean, uh, it's a very broad question, but how did you get started? Because obviously, I mean, we all went to film school with the absolute dream, obviously, of being, well, where you are. Yeah. So how did you, how did you do this? Yeah. Tell me, how did you do this? <laughs> <laughs> um, so for me, um, same with you guys. Um, and I even, I didn't go to film school though. I contemplated going and then I sort of sat there and I thought, I don't know what to do. Do I go to film school? And I wasn't, I didn't do great at school. If I'm honest, I was terrible. I think it's because I knew what I wanted to do. So I was lazy at everything else. So <laughs> yeah. oh, it's terrible. Um, but when it actually come around to, uh, doing it, I thought I kind of want to do, you know, I've seen, I've seen El Mariachi, you know, Robert oh, Rodriguez's. Yeah. Yes. And, and I'm yeah, sort of yeah. thinking, I can do that with my own shit. <laughs> Uh, and I thought, right, I know what I need to do. I won't go to film school. I will go to work. Um, and I went and worked with my dad, which was landscape gardening. So in London, doing up parks and stuff, totally opposite of what I want to do. And then um, I just saved money. So I got a car. Uh, as I knew, I'm going to get actors. I can't pay them, but I, I, I've got to pick them up at least from the train station. Um, <laughs> so that was number one, getting a car. Uh, and number two, just make a film. So I just wrote a script. And at the weekends, I literally put all my money into just doing a little film. Uh, but it all fell apart and it all, we got, I think, like halfway through and then we had to move house. But I built the set in the house and moving the set. I lived with my parents, moving the set had ruined it. So then I didn't have the money to replace it. So we'd ended up just not finishing the film. And I thought, I'm never going to do it. And then um, by this point, Charlotte is on the scene. Charlotte is uh, a friend from school and we were best friends um, and then we started getting romantic. That's another interview. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, I wasn't, I mean, I, I mean, we weren't going into anything sensitive tonight at all, Carl. So. Oh, that's right then. And Charlotte's producer of Dark Encounters. She's not the cat or anything. Like, well, I know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but then, so with Charlotte, I would say that's what I think a filmmaker needs. It's, it's hard to do it all yeah. yourself. That was the yeah. problem. You kind of need the balance. Someone who does. So you're just stronger together because as long as that person does what you don't like doing, if you both want to do the same thing, like write the script, that's not going to work. Yeah. But she literally was quite, um, I need to say control freak. I don't mean that. I mean, she's into like all the breakdown and the, 
and the money side of it and the sh- scheduling, all the stuff I didn't yeah, like. So then yeah. we started doing short films where they were costing like just £200 each, little, wow. little things. If I could go back now, I would probably say I wish I would have put them into festivals. But we didn't. We were quite lazy on that front. All we wanted to do is make stuff and just keep learning. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we were quite out of it then. I mean, this is back before the DSLR days. This is... Um, yeah. I had a shoulder mount, like expensive cameras, yeah, yeah, and DV tapes. Mm. We shot with mini DV cams. At yeah, film that's it. That's how we got going. Yeah, it just looked horrendous. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely <laughs> horrendous. So you needed you needed money, didn't you, for a good kit to get yeah. something back then? It yeah. wasn't, you know, you couldn't just get a five D and make something look quite filmic just no. with a cheap um, body and good lenses. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, it was on that cusp of affordable digital equipment. And not, and it looking crap and not knowing. But um, again, I'm a technophobe, as we found out before this interview happened. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what to so, say. <laughs> a, a lot of people think I'm really like on it with technology. And sometimes I'm on the film set and people are like, oh, look at this piece of equipment. I'm like, I have no fucking clue what that is. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I'm sure it's going to make the film look good. <laughs> um, and then that's how we learned everything. Literally, I mean, I didn't even know what a clapper board was. Yeah. I was like, we don't need one of them. We're going to change the industry. Yeah. I don't even know what that is. And then you start filming with sound and then you're like, we need something to... Uh, (laughs) 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 Uh, I thought I'd invented it. You know, we... Oh, bollocks. Um, So then that's that's, that's how we learned that. It was literally, you know, learning the ins and outs, doing it wrong. And then uh, I think we made, I don't know, about seven short films over the course of about five years. Just... We weren't getting anywhere, obviously. We were just... We were living with my parents, getting to a point where we're thinking, God, what are we doing with our lives? Because Charlotte had a full-time job working at a chandlery, like boats. And um, I had a part-time job. I was just cleaning because it was that or a full-time job. But the way I saw it, if I had a full-time job, I I wouldn't have the time to do the films. Yeah. So I thought, as soon as I go full-time, I'm now in that world. Yeah. But that was a luxury that I knew wasn't going to last very long because we were just going to run out of money. Yeah. And that started to happen uh, quite quickly where we thought, we've got to make a living out of this or I've got to think of an actual job. So we were at the cusp right on the edge of thinking, right, we've got to do this. So I wrote a script. Actually, to be honest, I wrote about six, but uh, one of them we decided to go forward with and that was called Solace. Yeah. Um, And we kind of, Solace exists purely as a film where we thought, right, uh, the other stuff I'd written and me and Charlotte were kind of like, yeah, but how are we going to do this, this and this? And I thought, oh, I'll write another one, the perfect first film. And then that happened about six times on on the trot. So we had all these films. And Dark Encounter was actually a plan for one of them. Right. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then Solace, we sort of got, and I was like, right, it's the perfect films. It's one man. But the, the location where it's set is um, high concept, so it should sell. It's not horror, which might be interesting. So we kind of went down that route. And then we were literally trying to get it made, trying to find the money is the number one. Where It was just a brick wall. It was just, no, no one's going to listen to us. So we decided we need to have someone where, basically a name. Yeah. But we knew we couldn't get a name like Tom Cruise. So we thought, right, we've got to get a name that, not that everyone knows necessarily, but is, is there someone who could be something? But during this time, Grand Theft Auto 5 come out. Yeah. And I was playing, I was Trevor Phillips, 
doing all sorts of stuff. <laughs> usually, usually in just underpants. That's usually. Yeah, yeah. usually. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, what lovely memories. And they're usually terrible things. Absolutely terrible things. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, who's this guy? Who like? Because obviously, I'm into games to an extent of, oh, you know, appreciating how it's done and the performance capture and all this sort of thing. So I was like, who's this guy? And I was like, oh, Stephen Ogg. He's cool. So I followed him on Instagram and stuff like that. And then something just sparked where I thought, he's the kind of guy, because I watched an interview with him and he was saying um, he keeps getting sent scripts because the question was in an interview, do you want to do films and stuff or just stick to games? And he was like, oh no, 100% films and theatre and all this. And he was like, I keep getting sent scripts which are like murderous, rapey psychopaths. Yeah. Trevor Phillips stuff. And he was like, yeah. yeah. And he was kind of like, it's doing my head in. And I'm looking at Solace thinking... That's not rapey. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> Always nice to look on your own work like that, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, so we we literally cold called his agency and just said, um, we got a script for Stephen if he's interested. And then literally, I think it was about two weeks later, uh, my phone's ringing. I was like, who the hell's that? It's from America. And it's Stephen Ogg. Well, obviously, I've, I've paid him as Trevor. So it's not Stephen Ogg for me, it's Trevor Phillips on the phone. No way, man. Yeah, and he was just like, I've, I've read the script, um, I really like it, like, when are we doing it? Huh? And then I had to obviously tell him, I've got no money. <laughs> so as far as I know, not at all, but with you attached, if, if there's a letter of intent, like a note of interest, basically saying, if they get the money, I'll do it, we could get the money. So Stephen was like, yeah, do it, fine, letter of intent, you know, put me on the, in the pitch decks or production packages, whatever you need to do. So then me and Charlotte became people you could listen to because in theory, yeah. you know, you could sell the film with Stephen attached. It gave it some, did it give it some credibility when you were going out to financiers and, and what have yeah. you? It's like, well, we have a, a legitimate actor attached to the project. That's it. And, and you know, they look him up, they think, no, no, I mean, no one knows who Stephen Ogg, the, the name is, especially over here in the UK. But then they think, what's he done? And he, Graph of Auto, at the time, the biggest game. I think it's still is. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I seriously, so. I mean, even to this point, like, if you say Stephen Ogg, I still know exactly who that is. Oh, that's cool. Like, straight away, like, know exactly who that is. He pops up in a lot of TV stuff, doesn't he? And he, he's got a recognisable face. And then with Grand Theft Auto on top of that as well. I mean, I think I'm sure all that came after the Grand Theft Auto stuff. But yeah, um, yeah, you've got the biggest game in the world and one of the main characters and you put him in a pitch deck and his, yeah. his sort of portfolio shot and you're like, everyone's going to go. Oh, holy shit, it's Trevor Phillips yeah. from GTA 5. Yeah. <laughs> and it was perfect timing as well because like, he hadn't done Walking Dead or anything. So it just makes us look clever now. Like, oh, how'd you guys get him? It's like, oh, well. <laughs> yeah, um, of course. <laughs> but obviously, we were still three years away from actually filming. So I'll be honest, even getting Stephen, it sounds like, oh, you guys are doing it. But we weren't because suddenly we were like, okay, so no, the money's not coming still. So And it was still three years. So And during them three years, it was still at that point where I was like, right, I need, I need to get a full-time job. But now I'm definitely not going to because we got Stephen attached, but we had no money. We were literally living out of tin cans, you know, say, like the sob story. And we're thinking, yeah, we can't pay rent. I don't know what we're going to do. So Charlotte just kept working yeah. uh, full-time job. She's now working with her dad doing just painting and decorating. And then in the evenings and weekends, she was trying to produce this film. But from my point of view, the, the part-time job enabled me almost full-time to just keep working on the script. And I storyboarded the whole thing. We got artwork done. So much stuff was done. And then three years passed. It got to the point of, I don't know what we're going to do. This isn't, this isn't going to happen. And then I said, right, we need another another name. And, and during all this time, we were trying to get a Roberts as well, who does the voice 
on, on the thing. Um, but we didn't get anywhere with that. We, we tried endlessly to get names and it was just mm. not getting anywhere. So then I thought, what about behind the camera? Like a name in, in crew. So then we were going through stuff and eventually we watched Moon and then Tony Noble, the production designer on that. I was like, oh, the, the production design of Moon is really good. I think that film was about five million, I think. And I, I'm, we're, we're anticipating we're going to have to crowdfund Solace at this point because that was the thing then that was doing the rounds and Kickstarter and Indiegogo all yeah. became the big film, all these DSLR films being made uh, crowdfunded. Mm. So we were thinking, I reckon we're going to crowdfund and that's how it's going to happen. During this time, we reached out to Tony Noble. Again, Charlotte called his agent. I always get Charlotte to call the agents because she's so... I sound a bit Essex. She's, she's more... She's well-spoken and sounds more intelligent. So it's like, yeah, you do the, you do the talking. Mate, it's, it's like when we go through the, the McDonald's drive-thru, I always get Becky to order for me. Yeah. Um, so then we got Tony. Tony read the script and we used to just meet in a pub near him. Uh, and we would go over the script and I'd say how I want it to look. I want it to have that kind of alien, grimy yeah. vibe. And then, um, so we had Tony on board. So suddenly me and Charlotte weren't just who? It was like, oh, we got Stephen in front of the camera. Oh, we got Tony Noble behind the camera to make the look of the ship and all this. And, and he had just done Moon. So he was hot stuff as well. And then it was at that point where me and Charlotte are like, right, we've got a crowdfund. Uh, that's the only way we're going to do this. So we, we set up a crowdfunding page and we were literally going to do it. I can't remember how much for. I think we were targeting about 100,000 wow. um, to do it. And we were prepared to film it in our living room as well, like wall to wall. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's no other way. And then Tony just rung me one day and said, um, I've got a, a friend in the industry and they're a production company. They're, they were at the time called GSP and now they're Goldfinch. And he said, they're, they're looking for science fiction films. Right. I think they might like Solace. So we were like, he obviously didn't realise how we were like, oh God. <laughs> but Charlotte was on the phone so she was quite composed, yeah. wasn't she? Yeah, you ring, <laughs> literally. So Tony gave us his number. I was like, you fucking ring Charlotte. So she rang and then uh, she spoke to uh, Goldfinch and then I think within a week we were down there having a meeting. I nearly died of a heart attack. Because it was it, you know, as you guys can probably associate, you know, you've spent all your childhood and teenagehood loving films and thinking, oh, yeah. oh I'd love to do I this. Mean, and yeah. then got there. And then I think it was after that still about six months later until we were actually doing it. But you go from all them years of, of you know, we had Stephen attached for three years and then suddenly we were making it at supersonic speed. Production budget was about 700,000. I don't know the exact amount, but it was, for us, that was... Uh, that was billions for us yeah, when, yeah, you, when you're prepared yeah. to, to crowdfund. Well, when you're prepared to shoot it in your living room, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and Stephen was with us all that time. So when it actually happened, he was like, "Wow, you actually done it!" And it was like, "Well, yeah." I mean, what what is done it at the end of the day? You know, you get a lot of filmmakers saying, "Oh, one day I'll make it," but you know, it's it's up to you what that is. Yeah, you you got to think. To me, I've made it if you like because I've. I got paid to make a film. That's you gotta you gotta appreciate like even you guys, you know, you, you I was I consider myself like you guys rather than you know, someone who's made a film. You know, I think, no, no, it's gotta share the love and think, I don't know, yeah, appreciate it so massively. So it must be a proud moment to like, you know, shout rap at a shoot and then you get the cut done and then you've got there's, there's loads of stages, isn't it? Like of of finishing points. Yeah. Um, which then, you know, that finish yeah. the shoot and then You've got the finish of post, and then you've got finish of just getting it out there. Yeah, it must be a proud moment, man. It must be really good. It's very proud, like, and also you think, why me? Like, 
Why is it happening to me? There's so many other... Well, it sounds like you worked hard for it. Yeah, yeah. It must have been a hell of a script, man. It must have really been a great script to start with because, you know, it all starts on the page. So having, having made Solace then, was it then a lot easier to move on and get the second one made? So this Dark Encounter is the second feature, isn't it? Was it yeah. easier then to get this to get this moving a little bit quicker? Yeah, definitely. Uh, and, and with Solace, it was perfect timing because it just so happened. We didn't know this at the time, but the industry the market i should say was after a smaller market i should say was after solace basically and we didn't know it and no one knew it so that solace also had a good release it was in cinemas in america oh great but not wow. over here i was like oh. couldn't i couldn't afford to fly to america <laughs> <laughs> to yeah. like go see it so it's like oh, no. across the pond i'm like my film is in cinemas yeah i can't i can't go no oh. But that was all right. I just didn't care. Even just having it on DVD is like, oh, yeah, yeah. God. And I look at it and I'm like, oh, just lick it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it does make you proud. And then with Dark Encounter, so Goldfinch are kind of an all-in package, really. And, and I think it was quite straightforward selling Solace. So they were like, do you guys want to do you know something else? And I'm like, yes, <laughs> let me think. Um, and then... It was, I think it was, it was roughly double the budget of Solace. Oh, wow. Right. Okay. So we were like, are we going to do, you know, and they're like, obviously I'm happy with any money, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, but they were like, yeah, you know, we would do it for a bit more. So we done it for a bit more. And then that's when, I don't know why I chose Dark Encounter, but I think it was the one I thought, you know, you, you can't just really choose because I think that's where you shoot yourself in the foot. Yeah. Yeah. Because you, you could be facing some elements, which because of your low budget, you, there's certain things you can't do. Um, but Dark Encounter just fit the bill in, in a way of saying, it's very ambitious, but not impossible. So let's let's try this, and it's different to Salis as well. That that that's the question. That is the big one for me. Is that the ambition here in Dark Encounter was so grand, you know? Um, but not just in a um, visual sense, but in a storytelling sense. The oh, the so I'm my head is scrambled to be honest with the questions I want to ask about this. Um, but this film was shot in Yorkshire, wasn't it? It was. Yeah. <laughs> this is astonishing. But it, but it, is, yeah. Yeah. it isn't set in Yorkshire, though, is it, Carl? No, it's... Um, <laughs> no, uh, from the beginning, I wanted to set it in New England, Pennsylvania, obviously with the intention of filming there. And then when you bring it up, it's like, no, we can't afford that. <laughs> so then you think, I don't want to set it in England. And then you get a lot of people saying, why? And it's really hard to explain why I've done this. Because if, if I set it in England, it would make life easier. Because we're here. Yeah. Uh, but you guys might be able to relate to this. There's something about that kind of E.T. American suburby, that disconnection we have yes. from it, yeah. uh, that makes it more cinematic. Yes. So whereas it, when, it, when it becomes England, we live here. And I'm like, I didn't see any English films like that that I loved. as You know, I wanted that magic and it wasn't here. Yeah. So then I thought, at first it's a disaster. You think, oh, I wanted a film in America. Hmm. But then... Uh, the studio is in York so we knew that's where we're going to build our sets there so we started doing location scouts and obviously Yorkshire is very British yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I mean... it is Britain like um, <laughs> Yorkshire tea uh, it goes on and you're looking around thinking yeah it's well England this is isn't it <laughs> It couldn't be any more English if you... <laughs> it couldn't be. It couldn't no. be. And then um, there was the odd area, and this sounds mad as well, but a few people know what I mean. Have you ever gone like for a drive through the countryside and now and then you just look at it and in your head or out loud like me, you often say, 
looks like America. Like it looks American-y. Oh yeah, yeah. Always or or anything like any place, anything out of the ordinary. Yeah, yeah. like you wouldn't think that's America, or it looks. Oh, this looks like we're in Spain. You know, you have their moments. So <laughs> I was looking for their moments for America. Uh, but again, America meaning New England, which is probably most Englandy. Obviously, it sounds like it. But I mean, <laughs> the like, most Englandy of the Americas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Because uh, and, and all I was doing is googling like uh, New England countryside, and then you look and it's oh, it's very pretty, isn't it? But then you think I don't know, is it, we could work. So uh, there was a few areas in York where I I sort of it was like patchwork. I was thinking right, this bit looks Americany, and then there's a bit twenty minutes down the road that's slightly Americany. So the woods was um, where they uh, I think it's it is all pine. I think it is all pine. Yeah. And we found this forest. Uh, the, obviously, the mistake, I think, was someone was like, there, there aren't pine forests in New England or something like that. And <laughs> yeah, thinking, yeah. <laughs> well, it is now. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so, but to me, it just looked like America. So we're like, we're filming here. And then um, there's another bit down the road where they have the road encounter where they're on the road and their guy, they've got the axe and then the car drives off and they look up. And So that was actually a, a private road for an industri- uh, like a industrial estate. Yeah. So it wasn't actually a public road. It was private. And I thought its artificialness makes it look a little bit more like it gave it that American vibe. So we shot there. Yeah. Well, I was desperate. This was one of the things I wanted to ask you about so much because did you repaint the road? Digitally, we did. You did oh, it digitally? Yeah, wow. digitally. So the visual effects guys, Viridian, obviously they have a limited budget too. So what they do with their money is just magnificent. And when I say stuff like, see all them white lines in the road? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, can you turn them yellow? And they're like, yeah. yeah. You're joking. Because, I, I mean, they'd actually managed to make, because I thought like, when I watched it again, because I watched it for a second time this week. Is it second or third? I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> in getting ready for, you know, having a chat. This, yeah. And, and um, I was watching that bit in the road where... Um, it's Billy, isn't it? Yeah. The character's Billy, isn't it? Sid Phoenix is walking Phoenix, down the middle yeah. of the road. Yeah. And um, I'm looking at the floor and I'm going like, they must have painted that. They must have painted that. <laughs> and then like, because I could see that the paint, the yellow line in the middle had cracks in it. Yeah. Like, you know, like it was weathered and aged. I'm like, they have to, but what a good job they did there. And it was all in post. It was all in post, yeah. So the lines were there. They turned them yellow. But then I said, originally I said to Ben, the visual effects supervisor, I said, to, uh, in America, two lines, continuous, side by side. He said, can't, can't do that. I can turn them yellow, but I can't make them. It's too much money. So that's where we met in the halfway. I said, all right, keep them broken. Uh, so that's the Britishness, but... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but turn them yellow. Because so <laughs> there was the scene, at, it was a, there was a gas station, wasn't there? Yeah. In one of the scenes. And, and that was the one what spun me out. And I was like, how, what, where is this? <laughs> this is in Yorkshire. Yeah, so the gas station, I've, I've got pictures. I've got behind the scenes of this. You can actually see it before and after. So the, the pumps are real and it's an old, unused it's, it's now a garage for fixing cars and stuff, but the, the pumps are still there and they've been there since the 60s. So I was like, they're cool. But beyond is just Britain. Uh, so <laughs> all the view, <laughs> everything beyond the pumps is CGI. Right. It's oh, just, my God. So so the farm, the old tractor the, and all that. So that was all CGI. Uh, and then um, there's just little things that the guy's done, which just like when they pull up at the police station, you can see a water tower. Oh, yeah. 
that was CGI, yeah. but it's, it's blink and you miss it sort yeah. of stuff. But little details though, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's you know that phrase that we used to hate at film school, mise en scene or whatever. Yeah, yeah. You know, it all adds to the big <laughs> yeah. thing, you know. All adds to the overall delivery, yeah. doesn't it? I mean, that's that's just amazing, man. Um, because not only is this like recreating America, but it's 1980s America. Yeah, that's the other thing. It's not yeah. present day America. No. Yeah, you just, uh, <laughs> just uh, no, this isn't difficult. Yeah, yeah, this- I just want to make it even more difficult. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Yeah, so you want to film in England, but uh, in America, because you just want to. Yeah. Cool. So present day? <laughs> no. <Nah>. Um, <laughs> why? And obviously, that adds to the budget. You know, people say, oh, well, every item of prop every car every costume I'm thinking I know but what's going to happen is the result will be completely uh, a very low budget film that completely transports you away from everything it'd be a big magic trick if we can pull it off so there's a lot of tricks we've done but that was due to the nostalgia I wanted to try and capture Uh, and and the the idea of the film early on was the first half uh, to set up a nostalgia Not, not like I mean, if I could go back now, I might change a few bits because it's a little bit on the nose, but almost like a spoof, but not. So, something just to give all the fans like, oh, yeah, we're all like <laughs> yeah. memory lane, yeah, like yeah. remember these things. But it was, maybe, it was maybe a bit too on the nose. I, I wouldn't do it again for a film. But then you get halfway through and I just want to create this false sense of security so that at the halfway point I can be like, but we're not doing that anymore. That's Absolutely, not what it's all <laughs> that's what happened with me yeah you're not me for six by the way oh, that's yeah. Good. After, yeah. I, I felt assaulted <laughs> <laughs> I was ready to call the authorities <laughs> how assaulted I felt because I think what you do so brilliantly is you set up that we get the impression because we've of the films that we've watched in the past and the encounters that we've seen families in rural America have with extraterrestrials we think that the film is going one way and then we don't want to get too into spoilers yet because we're going to do that later on in the episode. But then the film becomes something very different, doesn't it? Yeah. And what I really wanted to ask you, Carl, was with regards to the script itself, was the central conceit always based, you know, 90% of the time around the family home? Was that something that was inherent in the script or was that something that you sort of changed and retrofitted when you realised that you could possibly get this idea done to make it a bit easier to keep it in one location? That was from... Purely, obviously, yeah, uh, uh, it ticks the boxes because it can be done from one location and affordable. But yeah, yeah. I remember from the get-go, um, I honestly must have been about 11 years old when uh, we lived in the countryside and I remember it was summer and we had our garden backed onto a big, it was often maize, but I think once it was corn, like in signs, sort of oh, yeah. corn. And it was really low, it was sunset, you know, when it gets starts the dew, it starts getting damp. And um, I was out there, it's still warm. And I, I, was, I had my Walkman that you couldn't jog, uh, otherwise it stops. Um, had my headphones on, I was playing some spooky soundtracks and I was imagining literally a family all coming out of the house, in America though, and they're watching this UFO, just this ball of light. And I was at that age where I really wanted to see a UFO. Yeah. It was, I was a fanatic. I had just like Rob. VHS collections. and <laughs> Dude. Um, yeah, I just wanted to see one. It was, oh, oh, I'll do anything. Um, so it was kind of like... Um, from the get-go. Can I just... Carl, we're so from the same cloth. This is by my... Literally by my desk I've got right it. now. I've got yeah. that. Have you got that? <laughs> yeah. Seriously. It's downstairs, yeah. Yeah, it's... it's I, do, I know just what you're talking... It's an intoxicating myth, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Sorry and to interrupt. Know, it, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, it's fine. And and you know, half of it you're reading through thinking, they're all hillbillies. What? <laughs> <laughs> <And then, laughs> what? What's... <laughs> 
<laughs> and you, but you don't care. You're just yeah, like, this yeah, is maggot. I'll this is amazing. Go for yeah. it. <laughs> Cletus has been probed again. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so I was from that mindset where you know proper balls, or, or, orange balls of light kind of thing. And then um, so from the get go, it was a family unit, like um, a contained family thing. Um, and then when I started writing it, it was always family, the family unit first. It's all contained to that family. I like that kind of, you know, vibe of there's problems within the family, family dynamics, as well as I just saw something weird. So yeah, so it was that kind of vibe first and that it, I think it was born, you know, then when I was about 11 years old. Yeah. That's where it started. Yeah. That's amazing. It's amazing that, um, cause, um, for context here, Carl, like, um, Simon here is a professional editor in the TV industry. Advertising. It's not as good as TV. It's not like wicked <laughs> <just> advertising. <laughs> I've heard a dark well, you know, <laughs> I was bigging you up, mate. I was bigging you up, mate. <laughs> J- James is a screenwriter. I'm a, a crime and thriller novelist. Yeah. So I think between the three of us, we all sort of like understand the idea that family just gives drama yeah when you put a family in something the stakes suddenly become so much higher and especially in what you did with dark encounter in that um the stakes were i mean they were already high they get higher and higher and higher and then well there comes the rug pull again yeah definitely i think it's relatable as well you've got to make it as soon as an audience can't as soon as they can't relate they lose interest or reader or anything um see i think that'll always be the core of my films yeah you've got the the fantastical element, but if you get rid of that, a lot of the film still isn't totally intact. It's all there, mm. just a bit holy and boy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because I think something like a, like a theme which is quite, that touches a nerve with people like across the world, certainly America and England, is when a little girl goes missing and yeah. the circumstances yeah. around that. And that's something which everyone is really really gets involved in don't they so you know we've seen it in this country we've seen it in america you're putting it in this um fantastical element of ufos and aliens but because it's just the the nucleus of a family who've lost their daughter yeah in these circumstances then it just ties it really well and that's how you sort of get involved um so that yeah that's what i really liked about it actually i thought it was really good how you tied those two things together quite quite neatly it was it was good that's cool thank you and i mean when we talk about when we go into spoiler world i'll talk about that as well i mean because what we do before every episode is we talk we say to people um yeah go and watch this movie and um this movie's still on prime isn't it Carl? yeah hope so (laughs) (laughs) now listen listen up uh listeners (laughs) Go pause the podcast if you need to. Go and watch the movie. Come rejoin us whenever you need to because you don't want to miss um, where this film takes you. Okay? So come back in a minute. Um, I'm going to wait. Five, four, three, two, one. Right, are you back? Oh, good. Thank you for watching it. <laughs> okay. Now we can talk about all the good stuff. Um, cast-wise, Carl, I mean, this cast is astonishing. Yeah. So casting was really difficult. Um, and we went through so many names and it was getting to a point where we were like, it's fine. And then, oh my God, shoot's creeping up. We, you know, it's quite important now. And we were getting there. We had, you have your dream shattered because you have names and then no, they don't want to do it or aren't available. And then, okay, cool. But these guys are great. My plan B's. No, they don't want to do it or they're not available. <gasps> yeah. And then it gets to a point where you're like, oh my God, there's no one. And then all of a sudden, uh, Laura Fraser was on the list. Yeah. I saw your Poyos Hermanos. 
uh, t-shirt. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's totally unintentional. Uh, I did not <laughs> and uh, obviously, I'm a massive Breaking Bad fan, so I, I I I was a bit of a fan girl, and I was like, oh, that's Laura Fraser, and I'm like, that's better than our Plan A's that ever were. Uh, <laughs> and then I thought, won't get her though. I won't set my heart on her at all. But um, and then our casting director was like, she she, she really wants to do it. And I'm like, no. <laughs> so then I rung Laura and we were weeks away from shooting. I, I think about three, three weeks. And uh, so it's not much time. But um, I rung her and this Scottish person answered. Yeah. Like, oh, are we Scottish like accent? And I was like, hello, is Laura there, please? And she was like, it is Laura. And I'm like, are you Scottish? Because <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. I, I honestly yeah. just thought she, and she went, um, yeah, who's this? And I was like, it's Carl. And she was like, so she thought I was going to be American. Oh, really? <laughs> because oh, of the script. Right, okay. Yeah. Uh, no, to this Essex bloke. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, and so we were, that's how we broke the ice straight away because we both were laughing about it. And I was like, I didn't know you were Scottish at all. She was like, fuck off. She's <laughs> <laughs> oh, quite found out. But she's lovely. What she's legend. so lovely. What a legend. Yeah, she, she's amazing. And she just loved it from the get-go. Uh, completely invested. And then we spent a lot of time, me and Laura, um, every day. I'd ring her for about two to three hours. And that was our rehearsal time. We didn't have, we didn't really have yeah. the money to, yeah, yeah, to rehearse get together and, and, and do the whole, the whole, you know. Yeah. yeah. So we, we wouldn't read through the script and say, you know, once upon a time, you know, it would be more um, like, right, so this scene, this is what happens. And she would say, all right, right, that line I don't like, but all right, cool. Well, I stay in. No, I'm joking. <laughs> it wouldn't be like that. But um, we would go over it. And uh, and then so that I tell her where I think Olivia's at, she would say where she thinks she is, what she likes, she doesn't like. So I'm writing notes down. So that was really cool. But during that time, me and Laura got to know each other really well. So that when we got on set, we were very um, relaxed. Yeah. And we liked each other. And, that was, and that's the other yeah. thing. You do meet people that you just get on with. Yeah, like it's an innate thing that you, yeah. you don't really have any control over. It just works. It just works. The chemistry just flies. A bit like this interview. <laughs> uh, where, oh, you cheeky yeah. little devil, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> where it's easy, whereas I've done some where it's a little bit strange. You think, am I saying the right thing? Are they happy with me? <laughs> but, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, with Laura, it was just easy. If I'm honest, uh, not that she found it easy, you know, she, she was on set thinking, fuck, you know, am I doing the right thing? I'm like, yeah, you're fucking brilliant. It's, it's great. So that was Laura and that was yeah. wonderful. I'd definitely work with her again. Oh, yeah. And then Mel Rado, um, who I wasn't actually familiar with Mel. I, I looked him up and then I realised I'd seen him in loads of stuff. But he honestly was so perfect for Ray because he, I think he was, he, he, I don't know, is he method? I couldn't tell. <laughs> uh, I feel like it, I just let them do their thing. But um, I thought, oh, you're so, you're really, he's, he really got into it. And I think he really had a good he's time. He's so wounded, isn't he? He's yeah. Wound, vulnerable and wounded. Injured animal, isn't he? And- oh, yeah. Immense. Um, and such a unique look yeah. as well. You know, because obviously, like, the look of a person is important, I'd imagine. Yeah. To your filmmaking, you know, like, so he's got such a, a presence to him. Yeah. So unique looking. And I thought, it, for me, I was so happy with the casting. I was so worried. And it could have gone so wrong in many different ways and mm. and then um, Kenneth the elephant in the room um, <laughs> Grant Masters amazing what an absolute legend he's amazing he, I... he was cast as Morgan Uncle Morgan oh right yeah yeah and then he was actually cast as him and we were maybe 
one or two weeks away from actually shooting or something. I was talking to him about Morgan and he nailed it. Morgan's you know, a straightforward role. It's, there's no, And then we were struggling to cast Kenneth. And then um, it wasn't until, you know, Grant said, how's Kenneth coming along? And I was like, oh, we're getting there. We're struggling with casting. You know, we took get the right person. And then he started talking about Kenneth. Saying, yeah, it's a difficult role. You've got to be careful because you don't want to. And he he made something really clear. He, he said, because of what he does, he can't be a monster in the sense of evil. He knows what he's doing. He's got to be ill and, and sick of what he's mm. done. So he's got to play it in oh, such a yeah. way where he doesn't want to do it, but you mustn't sympathise with him. Yeah. But you've got to also look at him and think you're so unwell. But he doesn't want to hurt Maisie. But it's, it's a real mindfuck of where he is. But Grant said it in such a way. I was like, should we rewrite your contract? <laughs> yeah. uh, so he, he just got... Uh, he, it, we just cast him as Kenneth. I thought it'd be easier if you play Kenneth and we get a, a Morgan. But he looks like he fit that. Um, you know, we were talking about aesthetics of um, those American movies that we all love about the 80s, you know, yeah. and mystical things going on in the 80s and all that kind of stuff. He fit that, you know, with the moustache. Perfect. Um, and the way he held himself. He looked like a police officer of that era, like right down to a T. You trusted him. Like, t- I just trusted yeah. it. I trusted him! <laughs> right yeah. the way through, you know? It's just... Um, but, the, I mean, because we briefly, you know, um, when I first reached out to you, Carl, he, he got involved oh, a, yeah, a little bit on Twitter, Twitter feed, stuff yeah. and just said, said he'd had a great time and stuff like that and whatever. But um, it was just... He's just... Um, oh, dear. What a unbelievable role to take. But what... Yeah. Also, at the same time, like what a role you'd written yeah. there as well. I mean, because yeah, that's a challenge for an actor, and I think actors surely want a challenge. Yeah, definitely. I think Grant couldn't believe what was happening. He was like, "Really? When we play Kenneth? Oh my god! It's like to be honest, it's the best role in the film. The worst, yeah, like the yeah. worst, best." Yeah. Um, but he, he he jumped straight at it, but he he made it look easy, really, on set. And obviously you're directing it and every move of the camera, every blink he makes, I thought, could throw this whole thing in a completely distasteful... Yeah. So if you think about course, what we're doing, yeah. it's really like, oh, really? Yeah. That's, but we haven't got any a single message of someone saying what you've done in that film was dreadful and handled terribly. But I think also it's the team as well and even Bridget, the little girl. She's, she's obviously a minor, so you can't really tell her what goes on. She's got to use her initiative. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. You can't really use the words. Yeah. And and, you got, and it was my first time directing a child where I was like, oh, that was my most nerve-wracking part of Oh, it was of your first film. time directing a child? Sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Child, yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't have children myself. Um, I've got a nephew and niece, but I'm, I, I'm kid-savvy, but I'm not kid-savvy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I wrote this role, and I'm thinking, wow, I've written this. Oh, my God, I've got to direct a child do... Right, okay. So that was the difficult thing. But, you know, I let Bridget, the, the actress, know. I, I'm crapping my pants. I didn't say that. I would ruin it from day one. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, <laughs> Mum and Dad just looking over from behind the camera like, <laughs> I swear yeah. I'm not. We're leaving right yeah. now. Yeah, careful what you say, Carl. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but she was lovely and... You know, she she done such a good job and she was just on it. Yeah. Again, made my life easier on set. And obviously, I got on with them. Her mum was there. I got on really well with the mums. That's the other thing to worry about. You know, you think, I've got to have alone time with, you know, this, this kid. I'm nervous. Am I going to say the wrong thing? I don't want to confuse yeah. her, but I don't yeah. want to patronise her. So I just, instead, I just went straight in, treating her like one of the other actors, just <laughs> not being so foul-mouthed. I think I swore <laughs> quite a lot on this. Um, and, um, <laughs> uh, and it was just wonderful. 
after the first day of with with her, I was like, oh, I'm all right now. I'm not, oh, I'm not nervous. That's it. Yeah, that's great. And I think yeah. that's really good about how you say that you didn't really get into the nitty gritty of what the subject matter is with her because that works for her performance as well. Yeah. Because obviously, her character doesn't know what's going to happen to her. Yeah. You know, she uh, she thinks she's just talking to her kindly uncle, mm. um, and that uh, that comes through in the performance. Yeah, and we had such good chats on set about the psychology of what it is, and we saw that Kenneth is so unwell and a few times in the script he wants to leave so in the uh, in the performance yeah. sorry you see him go to put on his hat he knows what he wants oh, to do oh don't stop it Carl stop it's horrible it. <laughs> I can't yeah. do this again seriously because um, if I you know I d- and Sai you might have to I don't know what our policy is on talking derogatory about other properties out there but I found uh, you know in um, Gerald's Game you know the big one on oh, Netflix with, um, yeah. and Mike Flanagan yeah there was that um Elliot, who played Elliot uh, in Henry Thomas? Yeah. I, I found that um, his portrayal of that too salacious for me. You know, like it was just someone who was, you know, very unwell, but I found it a little bit too, almost sleazy. Yeah. And I didn't get that here. And it made, it made me connect with the material so much more because of that. Right. Because it wasn't done for, you know, grubby kicks. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm not saying the the filmmakers did that with Gerald's yeah. game, and again, yeah. we might have to remove this. But it was just, uh, I thought this was it, yeah. it, it, it's such a sensitive issue, but it was handled with such a plump. Yeah, that was That's what I'm trying to say. That was the, That's if, what I'm trying if to say. Uncle Kenneth was malicious to the extent of I know where Maisie is. You know, like yeah, um, yeah. I think you would the audience would have felt yeah. betrayed, even though we all did feel betrayed. But I think you, the betrayal would have been oh fuck. Really, but where he's ill, it makes it that much more human. Yes, and you think, yeah, and it's more not relatable in any way, but it just makes it I mean, more heartbreaking. Do you of think? Oh, course, people are yeah. Like this. Uh, but I also, I like you know the way you delivered that turnabout that we um and it was the way that um and again I know we're in spoiler zone now, so I know we're yeah. safe. But yeah. Bruce Bruce Willis dies. <laughs> <laughs> just to get that. Just to get that. We're in that point where, um, you know, um, Laura is outside, essentially the property, looking in of her own home. Yeah. Looking at what actually happened because these visitors, these people who brought the encounter upon them is showing them the truth. Yeah. It's just, I mean, I to be honest, like in what I love about these movies, by the time they're here, I don't care what they do. Yeah. But <laughs> they can do, you know, what was it we said before about Cletus getting probed? They can do all that. That's fine by me. But the fact that they did something I had never expected mm. and tried to instruct us. And uh, I saw you on the um, YouTube uh, making of. Oh, yeah, you watched it. I have, yeah. I, when you were yeah. talking about how, and this was the one that, threw me to bits was you were talking about how um we always think we're on high you know and it's like what happens when someone who's even higher than the human race comes down to try and fix it yeah so like we're like the western world went in to try and fix ebola yeah by low yeah that anecdote you said was just so could you could you refurnish it for us would that be okay yeah that's fine that was the initial uh, how I saw because you get a lot of questions. So how are the aliens working? And for me, it was always yeah the higher people to us. It's a it's a re- relative term, isn't it? Higher because you know aliens are higher for us. But then there's village starving villages in Ethiopia where a homeless man technically is higher. You know, he's, he's oh he's got shoes. It could be anything like that. So for me, it was um, us 
flying into a village to, like you said, fix Ebola or give them a vaccine for anything. But this like, Amazonian tribe has never seen an aeroplane before or a helicopter before. So they're going to be terrified of this helicopter coming down, which is loud, and we're going to give them vaccines, even though it's terrifying. We've got to wear suits to not be exposed Blah blah blah. It's terrifying. Can't really. We don't speak the language, so that's all gone. Obviously, I hope they would orchestrate this a bit better. Uh, <laughs> 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 warning. The dad of yeah. <laughs> But it it is that, and a lot of people have criticised the film, saying like they could have done it in a better way. The aliens, and I'm like, yeah, but it would be a very boring film, wouldn't it? Like. Just get an email. It was Kenneth. Yeah, I thought that's why I thought yeah. it worked so well because because you're playing on those films from the like the 80s and, and early 90s where there's this assumption that the aliens are bad and yeah. they're these malevolent forces. And then that's what you just assume. And you get this first half of the movie, which feels like a horror film. And yeah. you're scared of these these things. And I guess like Arrival did it in a similar way as well. Yeah. Where there's this assumption that they're bad. And then to I think that's why it was so good having all these sort of like uh, signs to close encounters and things like that and and then just completely turn it on its head and like you said before the false sense of security mm. not securing the aliens but securing what you think they are and then yeah. it just completely changes it I remember watching Close Encounters um, not not the, not for the first time for the many millionth time <laughs> um, and uh, I remember thinking I wish they would have actually made the aliens more of a threat I don't obviously wish this, but it was an idea. Uh, because then when they are good, it would have been more of a payoff, more of a thing. And I quite liked that. You get to, to set out that they're, mm. you know, bad and then and then they end up being good. That's what I wanted to do with this, that it's, oh, they're malevolent. And, and no, they're not. Yeah, totally. So, But yeah, that, yeah, that's really what I enjoyed about it because the, the first half of the film is almost like... Uh, it's almost like a home invasion, yeah. is, uh, but with an extraterrestrial flavor, and you, you get to pull out as all these, all these tropes that we've become so accustomed to, and then when it's revealed that the aliens are actually are actually on the side of Olivia and her family and here to help, to do it their all thing. makes sense, doesn't it? Because they're just trying to get into the house to to tell her what's yeah. happened to her daughter. Yeah. Uh, but they don't understand the amount of carnage that they're caught and fear that they're instilling within the family, <laughs> within the home. And I just, yeah. uh, I think that's fantastic. It's such a great take on that, uh, on the visitation is, yeah. uh, from, from otherworldly creatures. We, 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 you're right. Which makes it so hard. You know, when people like I've been telling people about Carl coming on, you know, like, and, and people have been saying, well, what's the movie about? I'm like, I, I can't even, put it into words really <laughs> i can't do it enough you know how i feel about it and also yeah. i can't really just do you an elevator pitch on this i just can't do yeah. it it's one of those where the, the least you know about it the better i think yeah. because if you got because i was i was terrified for that first that like half hour 45 minutes <laughs> i was crapping my cats i was just like what this yeah, is can't, really we don't, scary we don't, we don't do great with horror movies anyway <laughs> uh, yeah exactly yeah yeah <laughs> So yeah, that, and then when that second half comes, it just it just knocks you for six. Yeah, it was. I was breaking a lot of horror rules as well because I think I never saw it as a horror. I saw it as as much of a horror as Close Encounters. Yeah, is. yeah. So I never went in and told everyone. Oh, this, by the way, this is going to be a horror movie. Yeah, it, it was never that because if I want to do horror, it's going to be outright horror. Yeah. Um, to me, it was really it's a family ambling movie that's got a few adult themes and it's quite scary at the beginning. Oh, um, yeah. But obviously, sales latched onto the 
Oh, it's a horror. Uh, <laughs> it's it's horrific. What happens to Maisie? Yes, but it's going to be a horror. Uh, yeah. So is that yeah, is that how I've, it ended up being pulled onto Prime? I, you know, obviously it being a horror did help. Um, I don't. I think the sales did do a good job because obviously it's on, and I really appreciate that. But I think when they coin it as a horror, I think it is. is the, I'm not it sure. Actually, I'm not, genre, I'm not because it was sure. to be honest. When I as soon as I saw the little house in the in the middle of nowhere with lights behind it, I was like, boom, we're watching that. <laughs> yeah. Away, yeah, it, it is so, set up as a horror, isn't it? Um, it is. Yeah, yeah, definitely an invasion, an invasion beast. Yeah, but it was more than it was um, seeing that, and when I saw that it was British directed, yeah. British made. That's yeah. what made me really put you know stick my head up um and then when i that's started good. watching it and it didn't feel like that remotely that is the that truth was when i was like oh my god man this is mad there's yeah. a full british british cast as well isn't it like i mean we we, we touched on the cast before it's, it's wholly british cast isn't it yeah sid phoenix is the only like american speaking actor in the whole thing the, everyone is uh laura's scottish and everyone everyone's english Everyone's got the. She's Laura's just got a Scottish so accent. Kenneth, Kenneth's English as well. Yes, as in Grant. Grant's Grant. English. Grant is. Yeah, he's done all that. Yeah. He's done the Bill. Oh he's done God. Midsummer Murders. He's done the whole British British yeah. acting. Yeah, he's done all that's that. An absolute legend. I, he's a hidden gem, definitely. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Oh, that's amazing. I have got just before we go any further. I've got a mate who lives in um, Ripon yeah. in Yorkshire, and um, he's he. I said I put him onto this, and he said he did he. He couldn't have picked that it was not American. So he lives right there. Wow. So there you go. That's amazing. The house, the house is, um, we were looking for an American style house. We just couldn't find one. We looked everywhere. I've, 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 I've screwed myself now because we haven't got a house and all the, and we were looking at houses. I'm like, it's British. That's British. And then, um, we were going to do a miniature. We were going to build a miniature and do forced perspective. Oh, seriously? Like, nice. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, well, let's do, let's do a miniature. So we actually started uh, planning to build a miniature and we budgeted it. So that was how it was going to be. And then it was the visual effects guys. I don't know when it was said, but they kind of were looking at the plans and it's, they were kind of like, we could do that digitally and it would be cheaper. And obviously, if I had a massive budget, I would say, no, no, we do miniatures. I love miniatures. But because every penny literally is so scraped in this film, nothing's wasted. Yeah. Uh, even tea bags and pencils, you know. Um, I was like, "Will we really save money?" And and then I said, we, "It mustn't look digital, though." He was like, "No, hundred oh, yeah. percent." Yeah, and amazing. what got me was um, in Solace, our first film, all the ships and miniatures in that, all the the spacecraft, and but because of our budget, we didn't have the money for. We had the money to build the miniatures, and that was it. We didn't have the money for really the correct lenses for it, or. Like we needed a motion control rig, certain pieces of equipment to film it properly. So we kind of went in. It's a little bit like having a Porsche, but no one can drive. Um, <laughs> and, and we're like, great, we've got the Porsche. Who's going to drive it then? And we're all like, no one's got a driving license. Not, I'm making a sound unprofessional. We're not unprofessional. No, it's just not the point at all. Of, not at all. If we had, if, if we could have got the miniatures cheaper, we would have afforded the motion control rig, but then the miniatures would have looked that much more crap. Mm. So, we put all the money into the miniatures and then we thought, look, we'll just figure it out. And we were shooting them literally on huge cranes, whereas really we needed wow. motion control rigs. So as what happened in post, there was a few nightmares where they looked like miniatures. So we put them all in and every other one, it was just the way it is. I was like, I could tell it's a miniature. And then everywhere people watching, I can tell it's a miniature. So that's when Viridian, the visual effects guys were like, we can make that not look like a miniature. And I was like, how? And they're like, I don't know what they've done, but they would mask it completely and redo it digitally but use the, the real footage as the tracking and the movement 
and everything. So they, so every, like pretty much in solace, every other shot, I mean, every shot's been digitally thingamid. <laughs> the official term. The official uh, term. But <laughs> now and then, every, every other few shots is entirely CGI. Oh, brilliant. Like netted and matted perfectly yeah. on our real footage. That's amazing. Does that makes sense? Yeah. So, uh, but the merge is nice. If you if you watch Solace now and then, it. I mean, for me, the the ships don't look CGI. They actually because they are miniatures. When when I know they're miniatures, even then I think, is that a miniature shot? Because for for the miniature guys, they've, <laughs> they've had the perfect sort of pre pre vis, if you like, with the lights. And, and the, you're the guy that made it. You you made that. Yeah. Film. And so if you're asking questions about <laughs> what exactly. shots were, oh, I was even questioning it myself. And then yeah. uh, so because of that. When Ben and the guys said we should do the uh, house digital, and I'm thinking, okay, all right, we we'll do that. I think we're, we will technically save money there. That'd be I wouldn't normally I'd jump at miniatures in a heartbeat, but um, uh, so yeah, the house is all CGI entirely. Nothing of it's real. That's amazing. Every bit, every bit, everything yeah. of uh, the house is the house itself. I think if you look on the behind the scenes, there's a really quick shot of it. It's just a brick house. Nothing like our house. Yeah, right. The really? only similarity is it's the shape. Yeah. I miss that totally. Wow, yes. Yeah, that's amazing. It's the actual shape of it. That is amazing. And they put tracking markers on it. So good. I've always, because I, as Rob said before, I'm I'm an editor, you know, I've worked in post for like 10 years and I always get great satisfaction where you do stuff and people don't notice that you've done stuff. So yeah, you, you really pulled that off here. Like it, you, you really cannot tell at all. That it was miniatures or CGI. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's ridiculous. Like that. <laughs> Absolutely yeah. ridiculous. Really, really well, really, yeah. really excellently realised. Definitely, it's amazing. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I, I would never have guessed that that wasn't the exterior of a real home. <laughs> they're, they're a great team. They're like a mini Weta workshop. They're like Weta Digital. I should say it's amazing what they can do. And obviously, I'm quite picky, especially when it comes to digital stuff. And they were sending stuff, and I, you know, I have to be picky naturally. But it gets to a point where even I watch the film now and I look at that and I think that was yeah, good. Yeah, it was really good. Even the vines, all the leaves are moving and stuff. Oh, and, um, flipping it, yeah. It's incredible. And that's the thing I've learned with visual effects. You know, did you see what we've done? No. Good. You know, <laughs> yeah, that's how yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, That's amazing. Um, I'm aware of how much time we've taken from you tonight, that's Carl. Fine. So um, we've got, we've got um, a question. Is, is there a story or an anecdote from making this movie that sticks with you? I mean, it sounds really lame, but... Of not something I say in interviews because it sounds lame, uh, but I might as well say because I haven't said it. <laughs> uh, but uh, the overall making of it was so enjoyable for me. When I look back on that, it's a lovely feeling. So I often think, ah, oh, you know, whereas Solace was so stressful, that just goes to show how different. So when I think of Solace, that time makes me feel yeah. a bit cold. Yeah. Not that I'm not grateful, 100% grateful, but I remember I started sleepwalking through it because I was so stressed about failing my first film and then Dark Encounter was a lot more relaxed because I'm thinking I can do this I've proven myself yeah, already yeah. Um, so I can do it um, and obviously it was stressful Dark Encounter was one of the most stressful times of my life yeah. but I think it just goes to show what I learned from that film is people make the difference like the the cast and crew the friends the friendships and how you know I got on with Laura and Nicholas Pinnock who pays the sheriff and all these people. Well, I I, I have to ask about Nicholas Pinnock. I'm so sorry. I just he is amazing. I love he's that amazing. guy so much. <laughs> he's a he's a great guy. It, people like him made the experience so much more magical. Yeah, yeah. So, but that that would be my story oh, of that. Brilliant. Like the but yeah, Nicholas. Nicholas is um, amazing. So 
Melanie, Melanie Lenahan, who was our makeup artist on Solace, she couldn't be the makeup artist on Dark Encounter, which we were really gutted about. But she said, um, oh, I'll do anything to help. What can you do? And she said, oh, I've got an actor who's a good friend, Nicholas Pennock. Uh, he, he would love this script. And I'm like, okay. And, and that's how he got to be the sheriff. Oh, brilliant. Um, he, he literally was between jobs. He was, he was still working on something. He had a few days off, so he flew from America. He was shooting. I don't think he had slept for like two days. And then he shot his scene. And then there's a few day gap. Then he shot the other scene. And then he flew back. Oh, wow. You know, even now, it's weird when you have such good friendships with actors after the film. Yeah. You know, and you, you speak to each other when you're not doing a film. You know, it's just a lovely... That's what I take away from the film. I mean, he's... In fact, like, he's... um, oh, For me, he's a bit of an icon, actually. Nicholas Pennington. Yeah, I he's going to be as well, like, yeah, bigger. He's just um, a seriously good actor. Um, yeah. And strikes me as a seriously good dude as well. Yeah. He's very kind. Yeah. It's really great when you get these stories of, of films, especially low-budget films happening, and all these, like, planets aligning and, and little incidental things which happen yeah. and, and makes it all come together and it all works out really well. And it, that's what make makes movies like this, isn't it? Those little favours from people, the, the people you know, and, yeah. um, you know, chucking a, a, a few days' work. And, and like on the previous film with Solace and um, Stephen Ogg and, and how that turned out and... Yeah, you need that, don't you, to to get these films made. Yeah, and then you hear of films you love, and they had a terrible time making it or something, and um, it changes the experience. But with Dark and uh, with Solace, obviously, again, it was a lovely experience, but it was it was hard. Yeah, it's borderline unpleasant. Where you think, oh my god, so much was going wrong, not because of no one's planning, just one of those things. And you know, there's there's just one of those one of those experiences. What I call normal experience, I think that's how it's work. It's hard. And then I thought that's how filmmaking was. And it wasn't, I didn't realise how difficult Solace was until I went on to Dark Encounter, which technically is more complicated. But it, the people and the experiences, it just, all, all the, the chemical reactions on set, for me, from my perspective, there could be a, a crew member who didn't have a good time, which would be terrible. But from my perspective as a director, it was all the, the chemical reactions. You know, you get halfway through and you're like, I can't wait to go to set. Like, not just because I'm making a film, but because these people I love these people everyone's great and we were literally some scenes were so depressing as you know everyone's grieving everyone comes in looking like yeah yeah but how we weren't laughing <laughs> through most of the stuff and it, it's really? the most saddest stuff yeah and how we didn't laugh once I think there is one time when we were shooting a, 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 I must feel ashamed to say this I missed I missed the take because something happened before which tickled me and I'm one of those people where I it's infectious and then I start yeah, giggling course, yeah. and then when you're not allowed to laugh it's worse <laughs> and I missed the take because oh, I was too busy laughing yeah. uh, but quietly and I was like oh my god my adrenaline's going so I'm thinking oh, I missed the take completely but um, but that's how fun it was on set you know and uh, Carl how many days did you shoot for on this one? Oh my god because I imagine like you say that the budget was uh, twice what it was on Solace but uh, which sounds like a lot in the real world, a lot of money to an individual would be, but in terms yeah. of filming, that's it's not a massive budget, is it, in that, no. in that sense? Uh, so I assume with that comes time pressures. Time. Uh, four and a half weeks, I think, or five four weeks, and four weeks. and a half, five. Wow. Yeah. Whoa, whoa, well, the whole movie was done in that time. Yeah, it was. What? Charlotte knows the exact amount of days, but it, was, it definitely wasn't over five weeks. I think it was like four and a half. Yeah. Solace, I think, was... Three right weeks. Okay, 
That first film. But yeah, time is money. So as soon as you want to add a week, oh, we can't get that done in time. Let's add a week. And you're like, well, that's a quarter of your budget more then. But <gasps> what? Oh my God. So it, t- you can kind of make the film as long as you can get it done yeah, of course, in yeah. time. Um, and that was the thing with Solace as well, which caused a lot of stress was we started filming one of the most complicated scenes first, which was a mistake. I'll try not to do that again, but I didn't know. There's a sequence in it where he has to go and fix the ship down a small tunnel that's all frozen but he's floating in zero gravity and obviously with no money that's hard to do and we started that and it's a it's like a, a two minute long scene and we were filming it for three days and then I'm thinking <laughs> three days three week shoot two minute scene oh my god so obviously I started sleepwalking so I'm stressed thinking I've, I've done the maths we're not going to get this done in time already but it was just because the scene was so it's like filming stop motion animation because he, he was on wires but we had to to go through the grids of the set, we couldn't cut. A, uh, he didn't have a zip line. We had to keep taking him off and moving him a third yeah, at a time yeah. and then stitching it together. And it was so like, oh my god, what am I doing? But we hung in there and then perseverance. And then what? And then another day, about midway through the shoot, I think we got fourteen pages done in a day. Wow, which is big when the script was only I think seventy pages. But um, wow, and then, yeah, yeah. So so we've got we've got solace. We've got dark encounter. We've obviously got your raft of short films before that. What is next for Carl Strady? So I am currently writing a COVID friendly film, which I mentioned at the start. Yeah, where um, we can be safe on set because the point of the film is the actors can't share the same airspace. They're completely. Um, but I won't say any, I won't say too much because I don't want to look like a twat when we we don't make it. <laughs> all, right. <laughs> yeah. all right, can I ask a different question? Yeah. Can I ask you a different question? What is um, where? I mean, I, I, I've been so impressed with what you've done with Dark Encounter with the money that you had. Like, where do you see yourself in five, ten years time, Carl? What 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 would make you happy? What uh, so? What are we looking at? Personally, I'm very happy with where we are, which uh, a lot of people are like, what? Yeah. I mean, a lot of people say, you know, you're going to go off and do the next. But honestly, if I carried on as I am doing these sort of one million films, that's the dream. Like, I'm totally fine. So from a realistic level, I'm cool doing what I'm doing forever, just making these one million films. That that to me, a bit like yourself writing books that, you know, just being able to do that. Yeah. In a, you know, it's a free, that's your life. And you think, am I happy? He's like, yeah, I'm cool doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, but as a, as a bigger picture, I obviously I am always, feelers are always out, always. And I'm obviously always writing stuff, which we can't do for a million at all. Some of it I look at and I think, what the, f- have I, what have I just written? I can't. <laughs> so I've, I've, I've got those scripts, obviously, and you look at them and you think, when are we going to do them? But they're the next phase. So this is phase one. I like to say there's a phase two. So I'm always looking for what that would be. So don't really know. Just carry on making these small films and see what happens, really. Oh, we, we, we'll definitely be watching your career with interest, Carl. And um, I, I think, yeah. like, um, thank you. Fr- from us all, uh, thank you so much for coming on. It's, it, it's it, fun. T- to be honest, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous <laughs> that we've had, had, the, had the chance to have this chat tonight. Um, yeah. But, you know, so we, we pick movies, you know, like we do another movie every week and we don't, you know, this will definitely be the first that we've got a writer-director of the film we're going to discuss on. That's cool. So... Uh, Thank you for your your time, mate. Thank you so much. Um, for my money, I mean, I know it's my mission tonight with the the way that the podcast works is I put a film 
forward tonight and um, I try to convince these guys that um, the film deserves a wider audience. A oh, okay. Audience. So, um, so I'm saying to the, that, so that's what we're going to be talking about. Yeah. Um, but for me, this is comfortably my favourite film in recent memory. Oh, great. Um, and I watched it uh, again this week again. So it's just, uh, it, it hit me as hard the second and third times I watched this week as it did the first. Thank you, wow, God, for that's what amazing. you've done. Really, yeah, cheers, really. mate. Thank you. Thank that's you. Lo- lovely words. No, mate, no. Yeah. no. Thank you for your time tonight. Now, would you? do you think we do this thing where um, I int- whoever brings the movie to the table introduces it? Could you introduce your own movie tonight? Do you think? I think I could. Yeah, just to yeah, just to whet the appetite. Yeah, for, for real. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah oh for yeah. Real. For real. Oh, I was gonna make. I was gonna t- rip the shit out of my own film then. No. Oh my god! I haven't done this in a long time. Um, let me think. Let me think. So it's one one year after a grieving family have lost their daughter, and on the night of her memorial, they. See very strange lights in the sky. That's yeah, and they they're about to have the world completely like tesseract. I don't know. Good word, solid word. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. I absolutely love it. And and that, ladies and gentlemen, is Carl Strathy's Dark Encounter. Firstly, I'd like to thank you all for coming here today. For as you are aware, it's a year to the day that Maisie went missing. I searched for days. I didn't sleep. I didn't stop. I couldn't. I ain't never making peace with it. Mom? The stars are moving. Lights. In the sky. Fast. Non-ballistic. Morgan's missing. Right? No, no, he's not missing. He's he's probably lost in the woods somewhere. I'm, I'm calling He's Mr. making his way back home right now, okay? Morgan! Thank you, Carl. Obviously, listeners, you can tell that was something a little bit special and a bit of a first for us. So we're going to go straight in and ask what their favourite bits of the movie is. Simon and James, what are your favourite bits of Dark Encounter? Um, So, you know, I think uh, as we touched on in the chat with Carl, there is a fantastic rug pull halfway through the film where it goes from an alien invasion movie into something something else entirely which completely took me by surprise but in in terms of a moment within the film uh when the extraterrestrials make their presence known around the house 
particularly when Olivia is in the kitchen and there's a shadowy figure outside the window. Oh, and yeah. it's just done with shadow there and the, the figure moves and then it goes to another window further down and then it moves. And I just, I don't know, I didn't get a chance to ask Carl in the interview whether it was done digitally or in camera or not, but th- those shadows just look so great in that moment. Yeah, and yeah. It really, it really reminded me of that moment in uh, in Signs, you know, where... At the Mexican boys' um, <laughs> birthday yeah, party, yeah. where the, the Brazilian where the ET just steps out from behind the hedge, and it's the scariest yeah. thing I've oh, ever seen in my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, never want to hear about that again. Thanks, James. Never want to hear that. Uh, yeah, so, no, no, that was a real spine tingling moment. <laughs> what about you, say? I hate that. I hated that bit in Signs. That scared the absolute piss yeah. out of me in the cinema. It was horrible. <laughs> I there was there was sort of two bits for me. One from sort of a like a practical filmmaking sense was when they were all just in the woods uh, trying to find because they initially think it's a bunch of kids messing around, uh, and they go and, and all the blokes go out to the woods in the in the pickup truck and and the, just the way they just travel lights across through trees and it's just this red light and then it changes to yeah. a blue light and you just get all uh. this mist and red light going through trees i i just thought that looked amazing like really looks great on camera but um mm. the other bit as well which which was something like i'd never noticed it on films before but it was such a really good thing to point out it's sort of quite near towards the end of the film and a, a lot of the you know there's the, the, the we were we're basically left character wise with uh olivia noah and billy and they escape the house, and they're um, they're in the they're in the road, and Billy chases down a car uh, with an axe <gasps> in his hand, and the car just like shits it and drives off, and he's like, "Why did you stop?" They could say, and he's like, and then Noah the son just goes like, "You were running at them with an axe, of course they drove <laughs> off," and he's like, "Oh yeah, of course, yeah,", yeah. and it's like you know, it's never pointed out like this is why everyone shits themselves because. Of, the people in horror films look absolutely bonkers running around. <laughs> I really love that bit. I love. I love how it was pointed out. Oh, it was great. <laughs> yeah, uh, for myself, I think um, I'm going to call to a rug pull moment, really, because that rug pull moment, the way it was done, I just um, it hit me so hard. Spoiler alert: massively, but they have uh, the visitors are here to show the truth to people to show what really happened. And in that sense, give closure to this family because they believe that Maisie has disappeared. When in fact, Maisie did not disappear. Something terrible happened to her at the hands of her supposed uncle, played by Grant Masters, the character of Kenneth. And it was one of those, there was a moment where Maisie's mother, Laura, was face to face with Kenneth through dimensions, saying to him, don't go upstairs, don't. Don't do that. Don't do that. And he still did because they were looking at a moment in the past. And I thought it was the most bold storytelling, bold filmmaking, the most heartbreaking. Um, yeah, this movie will resonate with me for a really long time. It already has, but it really will do because of moments like that. So that is my, you know, usually it's a wardrobe thing. <laughs> Not today. <laughs> this was something that really, really, in a storytelling sense, hit me very hard. Um, so in that, Following on with that, can I have for your reconsideration, gents? Do we reconsider Dark Encounter? Absolutely, from my perspective. So, you know, when it's Rob's pick, uh, there's always an air of trepidation. <laughs> I think that's fair to say. Uh, 
But I'm pleased to say that this was an absolute treat. Uh, the ambition here has to be commended, and it's great to see a modestly budgeted British film not only attempt a story with so many visual effects and so much visual ambition, but actually pull it off. And it's testament to Carl's talent as a director and the production team and the film is as visually enthralling as it is. It's just it's it's just really stunning. And even having you know talked to him for an hour, it's still mind boggling how they've managed to pull this off at this budget mm. level. Mm, uh, yeah. I think it's a really good movie, and everyone should check it out. Absolutely. Oh, yep. Sign. Yeah, like rather than reconsideration, it's just consider it really, isn't it? Because it's such um, a low key, a low key film, and we discussed how low the budget was. But yeah, I was really pleasantly surprised by this movie. Um, there's such a big portion of it to appreciate from a filmmaking standpoint, and both and from a movie watching experience as well. Like we've talked about this rug pull quite a few times, and yeah, it just completely knocked me for six. That um, it's shot really well. The cast are all brilliant. You know, we, we said all but one of the cast were British, but they were all playing Americans. And it was it just Alice. We no one. We haven't mentioned Alice Lowe. Alice Lowe's in it. Who's a yeah, absolutely. Really good, um, yeah. A- actor, director, writer herself. Um, and it, it's just put together with so much detail and authenticity that some sort of 10, 15 million dollar budget movies don't don't get anywhere near. Yeah. And this is like Agreed. a fraction of that. Agree with you. Yeah, the first 40 minutes, 45 minutes were fantastic, containing some really some moments that were really terrifying. Um I'm terrible with horror movies, but I was <laughs> like the hairs on the back of my neck were standing on end at certain points in this. Um and then it gets to the third act and completely take that shift that just as I say, not me, not me for six. And it's just always really great to be genuinely surprised by a film and um, yeah, hopefully folks have watched this before they sort of get this these like wee little spoilers at the end of it. But you know, the less you know about this film, the better. Oh, absolutely! It's 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 really really good, and I I, I think like the way you know what Carl's done with such a tiny tiny budget and shot in Yorkshire and passing it all off as the US and passing it off as a higher budget movie than it actually is. Yeah, hats off to him and his team. They've done. Such a good job, really, really good job, and it was great to to hear him be so, you know, look back on it with such fondness and be super proud of what he's achieved, and he should be. It's a, it's a, it's a really, really good film, and it's definitely worth a watch. I absolutely love that. I couldn't echo it more either. Um, I think certainly tonight, I feel like kind of humbled talking to someone who's done what he's done tonight with the budget he's done, done it with, but also from um, the beginnings of being. Um, his beginnings as as a filmmaker are not dissimilar to ours, like in terms of their aspirations. You know, like you, you, you know, it comes from a love of movies. Mm. You know, and that and everything grows from there. And um, I thought, just just to completely add to that that the what he's done with the budget is brilliant. But budget means nothing if your story doesn't hold up. And I thought his story really held up. Yeah. Um, and the delivery of the story really, really held up. The sparing use of effects also really, really held up. This does, I, I love what you said, Side. that this does what movies made with 10 or $15 million, you know, what they wish they could do. And yeah, I just couldn't agree more with that. I think as we go forward, um, this will be one of my favourite movies for all sorts of reasons. But I th- I think I don't want to say much more because the fact that I didn't know much about it when I first watched it is possibly why I love it so much. But only tonight, having spoken to the the writer director of it, 
and editor and all the other stuff he did in it. <laughs> <laughs> Do I uh, appreciate it even more? So, yeah. Very, very glad you guys enjoyed it. Um, wow. Thank you very much for tuning in. Appreciate everything tonight, listeners. Hope you enjoyed it. Um, that's a little bit of, I don't know, that's about as highbrow and craft-based as you're going to get on here. <laughs> yeah. so, it's all time helping <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> don't worry, normal service will be resumed <laughs> next week. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, James, what are we watching next week? So next week we will be having a look at the Adam Wingard-directed The Guest from 2014. Ah. Never seen it. No, Ooh, well. It's a good one. It's a good one. Brilliant. Can't wait. Um, thank you very much, everybody. It's been brilliant to have you with us. Please catch us at FYR Film Pod on Twitter. Uh, you can send us messages at, at well, not at, but at reconsiderpod at gmail.com. And please tune in next time for some mirth, hijinks, and cinema-based faux pas. I made that up on the spot. I hope it makes sense. <laughs> peace and love. Peace and love. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> when, when did you say you were in the pub from today, Rob? Three o'clock? <laughs> <laughs> Can't tell. <laughs> <laughs>